0: I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa.
1: And I am not Alyssa. Welcome to 52 Women, the official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. Um, we are recording, and it is Thursday, September 21st. And I know you've all missed this part of the podcast, but we're going to talk <laughs> about health care again.
2: It's back, and it's Bye! worse than before. Healthcare is back, and it's worse every time.
1: Yay! They really have a knack for it, don't they? <laughs> so, um, they have, not, until September 30th, to pass something with just the majority as part of the budget reconciliation process, which is why, like, September 20th, this damn thing we're suddenly had. So... The Graham-Cassidy bill is what is was introduced, um, Lindsey Graham and I think Bill Cassidy from Louisiana. This is the bill, if you if you remember the one day Lindsey Graham just showed up when Mitch McConnell was talking about his bill, Lindsey Graham was like, we have our own. This is that bill. It's that. So the big thing that it does is it block grants Medicaid which is really bad, and I can explain why it's bad in a second. Um, but it blocks grants Medicaid, gets rid of the Medicaid expansion, um, gets rid of cost-sharing subsidies, which means that nobody's going to help you pay for the insurance. Like, right now, there's cost subsidies based on income. Um, so you get a subsidy if you're below a certain income. That goes away, so you're just screwed. Um, no more tax credits. no more individual mandate, which means that
2: ins- the insurance markets are going to crash, a whole bunch of good stuff here. And pre-exi- um, pre-existing conditions get screwed, right?
1: The, the pre-existing conditions are back. Like, not only can they exclude you for pre-existing conditions, the insurance companies can actually charge you more when you get sick. Yeah. Um, which is something fun and different. Yeah. Uh, you know, fun stuff. And yeah. So it's bad. Call your Congress people, your Senators, your Governors. Um, I have been slacking on the calling the Governor front, but I'm going to call two tomorrow because it's fun.
2: Um, well, I mean, even the and, insurance companies came out against it. All of, like, yeah. Yeah. The, insurance,
1: yeah, the insurance companies at this point are like, can you just leave the Affordable Care Act and just fix it? Like, yeah. fix pieces of it? Because right now what's causing premiums to go up so much is the instability. Right. It's introducing these new bills every other week. It's President Doucheface saying that <laughs> he's going to not pay the cost-sharing subsidies. President like,
2: Doucheface doesn't fun. even understand any of this. He doesn't know what any of these words mean.
1: No, I don't think he does. I don't think he does, but I think the people around him know what it means. Yeah. That's Mike Pence knows oh, what it means. Oh, yeah, I mean. yeah,
0: like, yeah. Mike Pence yeah knows, I'm sure, because he's an evil little shit.
1: Yeah. Like, what they're trying to do, partially my pets tried to do in Indiana, and it stopped the state. So, really, like, that's what makes it even more egregious, is that okay, Trump doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, big surprise there. But the rest of them know, and they're letting it happen. And, personally, I'm very upset by Lindsey Graham. I'm taking this very personally. Um, (laughs) but Because I kind of liked him a little bit, but whatever, not anymore. Um, But just to give you an idea of why, of what a block grant is and why it's bad. So one of the Republican talking points is that it gives states flexibility to do whatever they want with the money. So I'm not a conservative, I'm not a state's rights person. but you can see why that's appealing to to someone who thinks, like, the state should do what they want. However, that means they don't have to put that money to health care. Like, I think some of the welfare dollars are block granted, and they don't use the welfare dollars for welfare. Like, this is a real big problem if you're in a red state.
2: And, it's um, all, and it, they're also redistributing, like, the the states that bought into the Obamacare, yeah. into the Medicaid expansion... All that money's being pooled and then redistributed back to the states like in a diff- like evenly instead. So like if you yeah. if you're like Kentucky or California or one of those where you paid into the Medicaid expansion, now you're getting that money that when you took the free money that they offered through Obamacare, there were other states that were like, no, we don't want to take that free money, even though it was free, just because they didn't want to give Obama a win, they screwed over the people who lived in their states, and now they're gonna get some of that money back to do other shit with it besides health care. Yeah.
1: Right. And that's part, like that's part of the block grant thing. like it doesn't. it's not based on the amount of care a state uses. It's based on the population in the Medicaid, yeah, which doesn't mean shit because well what it means is if a state is going to spend more money than what is in their block grant, the state has to cover it. And for states like California or New York or Maryland, it might not be that big of an issue because they're high populations. Mississippi is going to be screwed. Like all those deep red states, like it's going to hurt them the most. Um, It doesn't really give them more flexibility. Like it spreads the money thinner and it makes it more difficult for them to give the residents the actual care they need. Like, it, it's, it's literally capping the money, like, per head. Mm. And that's bad. And I don't know that people are, are getting that, but there are plenty of resources online that explain it, and we will post them. Um, the other thing in here, because it wouldn't be a health care bill from the Republicans if this didn't happen... But they're blocking um, Planned Parenthood funding for a year, I think. Um, And then, of course, I'm sure next year they'll block it forever. And they are – states are allowed to apply for waivers for those essential health benefits. So those essential health benefits are your maternity care, your um, women's health care, like all, all the stuff we need that Obama put in the Affordable Care Act to make sure we get the care we need. Yeah, states can just say hey, never mind, it's fine. We don't need that. Um, so it's bad. Um, it's really bad, and they keep going back and forth with they have the votes, they don't know that they have the votes. They're close, you know. John McCain, Mister, I'm gonna come in at the eleventh hour and act like I'm saving the day, even though Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins have been holding the fort all the way. It's like mm, I don't know if I'll vote for it, maybe, maybe not. So,
2: but Lindsey Graham says yes. Huh? Lindsey Graham says BFF. Right.
1: <laughs> Lindsey Graham says BFF. And that's the other concerning thing. And the governor of Arizona, I believe, came out in favor of it. Yeah. Um, you know, came out in favor right. of the bill. But even after the governor go. of Arizona did that, John McCain was still like, eh, I'm not sure. I'm not completely sold.
2: So well, he, well, he and said he it. wants the order. He wants the regular order. Right.
1: Right, he wants regular order, and this isn't regular order. And there are other bills circulating in the Senate for the Affordable Care Act, like Patty Murray, um, and some man that I can't remember the name. His name, but he's head of the committee that Patty Murray is a ranking member on. They have uh, a bill floating that would kind of amend the ACA to help it. Just Stupid Medicare for all bills it's not going to pass that's
2: oh, is it Chris Murphy huh Chris Murphy from Connecticut
1: no there's Chris Murphy's and then there's Patty Murray Chris Murphy's is the bill that it also amends the Affordable Care Act and it would allow employers and patient and people to buy in to right Medicare. but yeah right like it it was, was a public option but there's another one that there's another bipartisan bill that Patty Murray, from Washington State is working on. Hmm. Um, so there, there are others, but of course, since we're in the last 90s, they want to try and shove this through so they can repeal it. And Paul Ryan has already said, oh, we totally have the votes in the House to pass this. Don't oh,
2: Paul, worry. Paul Ryan today said, I'll take federalism over Obamacare. And I was like, yeah. Paul Ryan can suck my ass. Holy fuck. Can suck my not, ass. I mean, <laughs> what a piece of. <laughs> I don't even want to... I have... No. Okay.
0: Okay, so you were talking about block grants. So isn't the new bill requiring all states to ban abortion coverage in any program that receives the federal bro- block grant money?
1: Yeah, I think that's also part of it. And, yeah, it's, um... It would be restricted on pulling something up. but
2: uh, So did you... While you're pulling that up, did you see... Did you guys see that, um... Amy Klobuchar and Bernie Sanders are going to debate Graham and Cassidy on Monday in a town hall. No, what channel is that? I didn't know that
1: they were the two debating. I knew that CNN was going to hold the of town hall. I didn't know that oh, they were debating. CNN. Can we stop having Bernie Sanders debate healthcare? Can that be? It? Can that Can we just like, stop I just I just think it's a Bernie bad Sanders?
2: like I think well Jenny Rose I sent you all right like all those I don't know if you've gotten to that I haven't gotten to your podcast yet but I have it on my list for tomorrow that you told me to listen to so it's okay if you haven't gotten to mine but. Um, on a bunch of political podcasts this week, they were talking about either, like, using the Medicaid for All as a, f- like, planting the flag where we wish it could go, and then working our way back from there, negotiating our way back to something in the middle, um, or going with, like, a Chris Murphy-type bill. Um, anyway. Yeah. They, no, I listen.
1: I listen to yeah. it. And I love that they have the same question I have, but that that was but how are we paying for it? Because we're still not saying how we're paying
2: for it. Right, and it just seems like it would be more effective if one of those kinds of people debated Graham Cassidy versus the extreme debating Graham Cassidy. And
1: I don't know where Amy Klobuchar Klobuchar fixed on it. I don't know what her views on it are. Um, I think Chris Murphy would probably be a better person because Chris Murphy kind of took parts of Hillary's health care plan. Hillary started the whole at age 55, I think people should be able to, like, we'll lower the the age for Medicare to 55. So Hillary started that. And Chris Murphy, I think, is bringing it a step forward where he's saying, like, you can buy into it. So it's cre- it makes Medicare the public option. And it makes the Medicare, like, if you want to eventually go to Medicare for all, it gradually scales it.
2: So, right. Well, and and I, I mean, I, didn't you kind of think, like, I feel like that's what, like, Kristen Gillibrand and, like, them have, like, I feel like those kinds of people have been saying that all week, like, look, this is just, you have to bargain from somewhere, so, like, you go in with your bottom, you know, you go in with the, with the low offer, and then you work your way back toward the middle. I've heard that, but I
1: don't agree with it. Like, at this point where we are, where you have people actively trying to take coverage away and you're going to go in with the utopian idea, like, I completely disagree with that. I am no, no,
2: I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I agree. See, I agree with it as a negotiating tactic, but I think it's bad for public consumption in a debate. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mind in, okay. a, in a room with closed doors with them debating over it. I don't mind that. But debating on yeah. CNN where people are watching who aren't as informed, I do mind that. Think it's a and bad idea,
1: less, yeah. And I would have less of a problem with it if they were doing it on October
2: 15th, right? After we're out agree, of agree, yeah. yeah, agree. That's the thing, yeah, no, I totally agree.
1: Back to the abortion coverage so, the Graham Cassidy bill would bar the use of the ACA's premium tax credits to pay for plans that include coverage for abortion, except in cases of rape, incest, or a threat to the mother's life. Um, which I never believe that they mean that. I think they just throw that in so we won't get upset. So that basically means that the insurance exchanges, the healthcare exchanges, can none of those plans can have abortion in them, and that's a problem. So that's the other thing it does. And there apparently there are already 25 states that bar exchange plans from covering abortion. I would, um, I would probably be able to get some of them. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not. Um, they're saying that they don't know how the insurers would react if all of a sudden their plans, you know, conflicted with federal law. That's the thing. Like, I think some of those twenty-five states it's a state law, um, and others the insurers, you know, insurers can offer whatever they want. But I don't. I guess it would cause more instability if all of a sudden the insurers weren't able to do that. So, it's a lot of fun. Call call your congresspeople. Apparently, Lisa Murkowski is um, welcoming calls from other states.
2: Yeah, I saw so. that tweet, but it wasn't a blue check tweet, so I wasn't sure if it was true. But then blue check people were retweeting it. I saw, I saw that one.
1: As a Twitter noob, I don't know what blue
2: check Verified is. Verified account. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when it has that little blue check next to it.
1: Told I wasn't a millennial. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it can't hurt, right? Like right. I no, said, no, uh, no. Sure. I, said, I can also check that out. But um, that's where we're with health care. So maybe I'll call Carton's office tomorrow to see if they have any suggestions for
2: us. Good idea. Um, Never saw
1: as he has in the past, because he's good like that, but yeah. it's bad. so be aware of it, don't, like, I was reading something that said, like, we all have fatigue on this, and people are ignoring it, and don't ignore it, I have um, fatigue on all this, y'all, encourage your friends in other states to call people, yeah, yeah, and I also just found this fun little explainer on how it specifically affects women, and we've covered, we've covered all of them, um, but we can post that, just so you can see um, more of an explanation. It's from the Kaiser Family Foundation, which is a great nonpartisan source. They they just take the facts and they distill them and they analyze them. It's not it's not partisan at all. Like they'll tell you if something's better or worse financially. So they're always a really good source to look at for healthcare stuff. That's all. That's all I got on this one.
2: All right. What about Oklahoma?
1: <sighs> so I don't <laughs> know. I don't know if we talked about it. Like maybe we, the three of us, talked about it outside the podcast. But there was that ex Oklahoma City police officer now, Daniel Holtzclaw, and he was he was convicted. Um, but they said that he preyed on a number of African American women over a period of six months. Where he, he, you know, he raped them, he threatened them with arrest, he threatened, like, it's an awful situation, a blatant abuse of power, and this guy's a dirtbag. Um, so, he was sentenced to 263 years in prison last week.
0: Not um, enough. Or,
1: the jury recommended 263 years in prison, so. And then he apparently, um cried a lot again.
0: uh, It's so hard being a rapist.
1: Yeah, he like he was convicted of 18 of the 36 counts and that included four counts of first degree rape and four counts of forced oral sodomy. So really an upstanding member of the community and um, hopefully he will spend the rest of his life behind bars.
2: Yeah, enjoy.
1: Yeah. Like, I have, he apparently, like, he selected his victims um, in the city's poorest neighborhoods and he would go, like, he would look up their crime stats, like, their, and he would assume that because they had drug uh, convictions or prostitution convictions that that would undermine any claims he would make, they would make against him. So he was basically saying, nobody's going to believe you, you're a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah things I'm not going to
2: mention on this podcast so yeah yeah I mean I think I think that's I I mean not not just rapists but like just in general abuse I feel like a lot of it is a lot of the manipulation involved um, is Things like they won't believe, no one will ever believe this. Why would anyone believe you? That's why I'm a cop men who are I'm a no one. Yeah. And that's why men who are abusers, yeah. like even men who like abuse their wives or girlfriends or whatever, they isolate them yeah. so that they have no friends to talk to. So they have nothing they can, you know, so they can say, um, you know, no one's going to believe you. You have nowhere to go. What are you even going to do anyway? And yeah, I, I think that's, a, you know, it's a powerful tool, unfortunately. Yep.
1: I'm very grateful that these women were brave enough to stand up though. I mean, that takes a lot. That I mean, these women they were eight they were between seventeen years old and fifty seven years old. Like I'm just and you know, coming forward from something like this is really hard. I can't imagine coming forward when it's a cop and they're just amazing brave women.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean that's terrifying.
0: I wonder yeah. how many more there were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a horrifying thought. Yeah.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um Alright, Jemmy Lovato. Yeah, so so I was so, okay, wait, sorry. There might okay. be people who listen who don't know who Demi Lovato is. There might be people on this, right, podcast gonna, okay. so, no, <laughs> this podcast who don't know who Demi Lovato is. No, there's the people
1: on this podcast who don't know
0: who Demi
2: is. She's kind of like Jimmy Joplin, but not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can answer that, I don't know that much. I can't. Demi anything. Lovato and Ariana Grande and Selena Gomez all look like the same person to me. I don't know the uh, difference between any of them. I don't really care. And okay. I don't know any of their music, nor do I want to hear it. Don't sing it to me.
2: <laughs> no. Sorry. No. I'm not sorry. That's one of her songs. Oh, I just sang yeah. part of her. <laughs> didn't know that.
1: You're not, you're not respecting
2: her, her wishes over there. <laughs> You're abusing her ears. No, she said the sorry. That was the Evie one who did that. I didn't oh. even know. She didn't know she was singing part of the song. I just chimed in with the next line.
0: Jenny Rose, in oh. case you couldn't tell, is not with us. <laughs> She's calling us from afar. So she can't see <laughs> yeah. what's going on. Yeah, no, I, I miss seeing
2: what's going on. It's really good right now. You're missing a lot. <laughs> And I'm
0: lying down on the couch with my eyes closed. <laughs> Super cash around here.
1: Super huh? cash. Hey, boo. All right. So for those of you who don't know, Demi Lovato is a pop star. I think she was on the Disney Channel. Maybe. I am a fan of her music. Uh, me, her
2: too. me too. Me uh, too. Me too. Huh? Me too. I like her too. Yeah,
1: no, I I have confidence in my running playlist. I love it. Like, I like her music. I think it's good. Um, And I know that she's she's been a long-time advocate of the LGBTQ community, um, you know, and that's great. We're thumbs up to that.
2: And she's also been really open with other struggles, I think, personal struggles.
1: She has, yeah. I think she's spoken about I definitely drug addiction and I also want to mental say mental health
2: disorder. I read that in the article no, you met, Yeah, I think she, yeah, I think she talked that's about wild, cut, yeah. I think she talked about cutting. I think she's talked about cutting and about um, eating disorders too. Yeah,
1: and cocaine.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so she's been she's been very vocal about a lot of things and she's gotten a lot of kudos for it you know, and I give her that as well. Um, But recently, this article popped up that, and the title is, Demi Lovato's reason for refusing to talk about her sexuality is total bullshit. Which, screw you, Huffington Post. So I guess, um, and I never caught this, but in one of her songs, Cool for the Summer, it's apparently about a woman-on-woman flirtation, which I just liked the song, I didn't know that. Don't like it's got a good beat. And the, <laughs> asked, the interviewer asked her about her sexuality, and this is what she said. She's like, I feel like everyone's always looking for a headline, and they always want their magazine or TV show or whatever to be the one that breaks to break what my sexuality is. I feel like it's a, irrelevant to what my music is about. I stand up for things that I believe in and the things that I'm passionate about, but I like to keep my personal life as private as possible when it comes to dating and sexuality and all that stuff, just because it has nothing to do with my music. Unfortunately, we live in a world where everyone is trying to get that soundbite, and I'm purposely not giving the soundbite. Watch my documentary. So here's the thing. I am totally with her on this. Like, why? Like, why? Why? Why is it anyone's business what her sexuality is? Like, I don't remember people, like, banging down Anderson Cooper's door before he came out to say, hey, Anderson, what's your sexuality? Like, why is it that these people feel, or the media or society, feels the need to be entitled to know what's going on with a woman's body? Let the chick live her life. Like, why do you need to know?
0: Was it society or just this one dude that wrote the article? Because I read the first sentence, or the first, like, two, yeah, the first sentence. And I was like, oh, no, this was written by a man. And of course it was. Oh, yeah. Wait, what's the first,
2: wait, can you tell me what the first sentence is?
0: Demi Lovato doesn't doesn't want to talk about her sexuality, and I'm really hoping
2: she's willing to interrogate why that is. What is that like? I I really want to fantasize about Demi Lovato and a woman, and I wish she would just tell me so I can make it more real.
0: No, this guy's gay, I think. Oh well, I mean he could. But either right? way, like
1: why? Like why? Like, yeah, why? In your business. Yeah, why? It just means, and I'll say this. I'll say what I said earlier. Like it reminded me of like back in like nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine. When everyone, would, like, Britney Spears' virginity was, like, headlines. And I remember watching an article, where Car- or an interview, where oh, Carson Daly asked Christine Aguilera, Are you a virgin? Like, are you
0: freaking kidding me? Like, I know exactly what interview you're talking about. I yeah. remember it. I remember it, it was on that, that, like, stripped in New York City. That's what it was, yeah. when her stripped yeah. album came out. I know exactly what you're talking about. See, these yeah. people I know. I don't know the identity of these children.
1: Again, it's just, like, why, like, why are we asking women what they're doing in their bedroom? Like, like, mind your own business.
2: Right, and I, and I, like, I, I understand, I, I, well, I guess I'm trying to give the, the guy the benefit of the doubt. I understand the impulse to say there are lots of kids who are afraid to come out. It would be nice if they're, if one of their heroes were gay or lesbian or bi or transgender or queer or questioning or asexual if you if that person came out so that those but it's not it's not her responsibility and you know I don't know. I I just it's not her responsibility and and what you do in your bedroom whether you're famous or not is nobody's business.
0: Yeah, she has no responsibility to tell her personal thing. I just think this guy who wrote the article is super entitled. Like why does like, why does he think he has the right to know?
2: But does anybody have the right to know? Like, I, I don't ask. Like, when you meet new people, if you don't, if you don't meet, if they're not somebody who's already married or like whatever, if you don't meet, do you ask them if they're gay or straight if you're not sure? I guess that would depend on who you are. I get, but I mean, I wouldn't. Also depends on how drunk I am. But oh, maybe. I but right, like I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't just like make a new friend and be like, well, you don't have a significant other, and I can't judge what's going on, so I'm gonna ask if you're gay or straight. Yeah. Who cares? What does it even fucking matter to me? Yeah. No,
1: and that's that's also how I feel about this. Like, why are we? Why are we at the point where we need to ask, like, oh, what's your sexuality? Like. Do what you want to do. Like, nobody else's
2: business what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, if someone's about to kiss me and I d- am not, not attracted to them either because I'm not attracted to them generally or because they're the wrong gender, then I might say that. But not like, why is it anybody's business?
1: I, I like how, or because I'm married and you come
2: up. <laughs> I was being a single person in that. <laughs> sure. That's two weeks in a row you've ditched your husband. <laughs> No, he's fine. He's great. Um, no, but I mean, like, I, ju- I just think generally. It's 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 not something, yeah. I don't know. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I'm not gay. <laughs>
0: I was going to ask that. <laughs> um, in this article where she said, watch my documentary. Does she have a documentary or is that just like, like, I'll show you in my documentary. (laughs) Does she have Uh, a documentary?
1: Maybe she does.
0: Maybe it's coming out. I don't think
1: he mentions it in here.
0: (laughs) It was Um, just like really random. I was like, is that what the kids say these days? Watch my documentary and it'll tell you all about me.
1: (laughs) That might have been her polite way of telling the F off.
2: That. Yeah,
0: but, like, that's just, like, the weirdest thing yeah, I've ever heard. I'm going
2: to start using that all <laughs> yeah. the time. Like, when people ask me something I don't want to answer, I'm going to be like, you can catch it in my documentary. Yeah, I know. Exactly. But let's think of a better phrase than that. Like, watch my docu, dude. No, that's not better. <laughs> that's definitely not better. <laughs> oh, that's going to stay in. I know it is. Okay. <laughs>
0: Oh.
1: Demi Lovato hints she will address sexuality in new documentary.
0: Oh, so so,
2: in in so wait, home. wait, wait! Is she just refusing to answer in HuffPo because she wants everybody to watch her documentary and this is how she's getting reading? No, I think somebody, I think somebody took the quote from the article and made a headline. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess
1: it comes out next month. Demi Lovato, simply complicated.
2: Simply complicated.
1: I'll watch that after I watch Gaga Five
0: Foot Two. What? I have no idea. Jenny Rose. What? uh, What are you talking about?
1: No, she has a documentary coming out. Lady Gaga has a documentary. It's either out now or it's coming out called Lady Gaga Five Foot Two.
0: What was that show on MTV? Behind (laughs) the video? Uh, Behind the music? No. Wasn't that VH1? Oh, yeah, it
2: was VH1. No,
0: yeah. No, on
2: MTV. Oh, Diary. Oh. Behind the Music was really good.
0: Yeah, but I feel like now all these people are just, like, doing long diaries, and they're releasing it, and they're like, oh, my documentaries. Like, no, people already did that ten years ago.
2: Yeah. Or more. Maybe Ken Burns is doing the Demi Lovato.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Vietnam War, next. Demi Lovato. Sorry, not sorry. Is that a song? <laughs> yes, you sang it. Oh, <laughs>
1: I am now going. I am going to tweet my favorite clip ever from behind
0: the music. <laughs> oh, should we play? Wait, it on the wait. Is
2: it from? Um, is uh, it? Because we're still recording. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but remember that one? Is it Axel? Who was it? Is it Guns N' no. Roses? What is the one where the guys like? I you know when I knew I was really I had a problem was when I woke up with a needle still in my arm and a pool of blood in my hand. (laughs) Who was it? I forget who that was. It was so funny. That was funny. Well he was
0: alive and fine. Jenny Rose, I don't see a tweet from you. I'm I'm
1: typing it right now.
2: Okay, are we done with Dummy Lovato? I don't know.
1: We're done with Dummy. And then we have we actually have a nice Story regarding women and consent we wanted to share because it's very, very very rare that there's a nice story. Time out.
0: This was making it
1: different. It's totally different. It's rap song. It doesn't sound
0: anything like there. And just to prove this.
1: Vanilla
2: breaks it down and sings the dings. Ding ding
0: ding 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 ding. Ding 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 ding
2: That's the way theirs goes.
1: not
2: the same. Ours goes ding, 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 ding. there's those. <laughs> Come on, that is one I of the done. best. That's a good Still song, insane. even if he did Still Under Pressure.
1: It's not the same, not the same,
0: not the same, it's not the same. <laughs> Just ends.
1: Right. So we have a nice consent story because it's very rare that we have a nice consent story. Um, so we thought we'd share something nice instead of all the other bullshit that's going on. Um, this woman wrote, it's a parenting article, this woman wrote for the Washington Post, um, and it's called How I Use a Haircut to Teach My Daughter About Consent. So basically she's saying that she gave her daughter the option of having her hair cut the first time. So she explained to her that, you know, when they were, when she was washing her hair, like, oh, this will be easier if she got a haircut. And, you know, they went to the salon and her daughter was like, no, mommy, I don't want it. So they rescheduled, but the woman let her daughter, like, call the shots, when it came to her own body, even though, just you know, we wouldn't think like us. It's just a haircut. But... I see pictures of my friends with, like, their kids, and, like, the kids are screaming for their first haircut because it's scary, and it, like, breaks my heart. It also breaks my heart when children are screaming on Santa Claus's lap. That's a whole other issue. But um, it was just, like, a nice, like, nice write-up of how, you know, her daughter was scared the first time, and then they went home, and you know, her daughter, like, didn't like having her hair brushed, and her mother was like, well, it's easier for you to haircut. We could do this, this, and this, and then her daughter eventually was like, yes, I want a haircut. Let's do this, and then after it happened, the little girl was like, mom, I was so brave, and I was like, this is adorable, so it was just a nice story um, and a nice kind of example of how you can teach kids from a young age about consent and how they have this how they have control over their own body and no one else can tell them what to do with their own body.
2: Yeah. I never had I only had one of my kids ever cry getting a haircut and as soon as he started crying I made the lady stop and she was like but I'm halfway done it's going to look ridiculous. I was like it's okay we got to go. <laughs> and we stopped. <laughs> yeah. I think I I did like it too. It was a nice little Almost like a parable. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Okay, so the um, thing I wanted to talk about was an article that um, my very good friend pointed out to me, um, and it is that Sweden's foreign minister um, is a woman, and she is trying to enact a feminist foreign policy. Um, it's, so it's the Swedish Foreign Service Action Plan for Feminist Foreign Policy. Um, it's really supposed to, the, the spectrum, or the, um, excuse me, the, the action plan is broad. It goes from 2015 to 2018. Um, but this, this has special focus areas for 2017. Um, so it, some of them will be enacted, um, will be enacted this year. Um, and so the the woman's name is Margot Wallström, um, and she said the EU must lead by example to be credible. We need to show that there's a link between our internal and external action, and that we apply a gender perspective when we build our organizations, form our negotiation teams, and staff our missions. Um, so it goes actually goes beyond well beyond that, um, but that was just a quote from her about it and we'll post the links to all this stuff but um, there's actually you can download the entire um, <clears throat> you can download the entire action plan and um, see all the action items. you can watch the lecture that she gave on it. Um, but basically they're trying to enact a policy, um, a, foreign, a foreign policy that um, is inclusive to women and also protects women so it's twofold Um, and they do emphasize in the policy that men and boys uh, have to be active participants they have to buy into this idea for it to work that it can't just be women fighting against them um, for the rights that they feel that they deserve Um, and then so um, I'm just gonna I was just gonna tell you the six kind of like now has six core core, um, issues. Um, There are six core pieces here. Um, So it's the Swedish Foreign Service will contribute to all women's and girls full enjoyment of, one, full enjoyment of human rights, two, freedom from physical, psychological, and sexual violence, three, participation in preventing and resolving conflicts and post-conflict peace-building, Um, And the focus in 2017 on that is promoting the role of women and girls in preventing conflict Um, for political participation and influence in all areas of society. And the focus for 2017 on that one is promoting women's and girls participation as a strategy against the shrinking democratic space and the double vulnerability of women and girls. Um, five is economic rights and empowerment, strengthening women and women's and girls' economic empowerment and influence, including by working toward non-discriminatory legislation. Um, and six would be sexual and reproductive health and rights, intensifying work for sexual and reproductive rights for all people. Um, so I was talking to this friend of mine about uh, foreign policy, like what a feminist foreign policy would mean to uh E B one, E B two, and Jenny Rose as he refers to us, even though he's known me for very long. <laughs> um and, you know, he I, kind of when I was talking to him, I was saying like it would be hard if we if we said, well, leaving out the fact that we have a misogynist in the Oval Office, um, which not leaving it out permanently, but leaving it out for this this conversation. Um, if we were trying to stop interaction or trade or um Friendly relations with countries where women's rights were being uh, trampled—it would be hard to find anyone to do business with. And I and I was thinking it especially today because Manukin said that anybody who does business with North Korea would no longer do business with the United States. Um, So sanctions on people who do business with North Korea, Uh, and I know the number is smaller than it is for places where people are mean to women, because it's very many places. Um, but it seems like if we can have, if we can put sanctions on countries because of, you know, nuclear prol- proliferation, that we can do it for um, human rights abuses against women and girls.
1: What would it look like if we put sanctions on us? Because I'm pretty sure that, you know... <laughs> I mean, we're not going to be doing
2: business with Sweden anymore, right? Like, that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, yeah well, and it, it's really interesting because that you say that because um, on their Focus 3, the, the Promoting the Role of Women and Girls in Preventing Conflict, one of their bullet points is, uh, during Sweden's membership of the UN Security Council, the Foreign Service will pursue conflict prevention work and the implementation of Security Council Resolution 1325 and the subsequent resolutions on women, peace, and security. Um, And Donald Trump just gave such a bombastic speech at the UN that like just that one thing, like even leaving out his propensity for sexual assault and harassment and all these other things, just just his attitude toward the UN. um, I mean, I guess we have Nikki Haley in a leadership role there, which I guess is positive, would be positive to someone who is trying to enact a foreign, you know, feminist foreign policy. We have a woman. Yeah, but role? just
0: because she's a woman doesn't mean she's a feminist.
2: No, I agree. I agree that yeah. she's not a feminist. I'm not sure that she's... I think I think she's better than some of the other ones, though. I have a
1: problem with her because she... I have a big problem with her because she hides the... Fe, she hides... I think she hides her race slash heritage. Huh. She's... um. Her, her parents were born in
2: India.
1: She's an Indian-American
2: woman. No, I know that. Yeah, but a lot of people don't know that because she was by Nikki Haley,
1: and I read this thing piece a while ago that how she, I don't want to say whitewashed, because I don't think that's what she does, but it, it's, like, a convenient, like, she Americanizes her name and all that. So I have a whole other issue with her. Interesting. Aside from me not-a-feminist thing. I know
2: so many people, well, I guess not in modern day, but, like, so many people did that to their names.
1: Well, she uses her, right, not when they came, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people whose parents, whose grandparents got their names changed when they came through Alice
2: Island. No, but I know people who did it, like I know I know a family, an Italian family, Daniello, who changed it to Daniel, because of prejudice at the time.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, Alice Island didn't change it, they changed it. But they, I mean, they felt like it was better for that, like they weren't going to be able to succeed in, in small business if they didn't do that, you know? It was a personal yeah. choice. No, I mean I know what you're saying. I don't like self-hating either. I don't. I mean I don't like that either. Um, But in terms of just that one particular goal of having women in leadership roles in the UN, yeah. um, But yeah, I mean I agree. She's not. It's not. Doesn't mean she's a feminist. Um, And then, I I I think the the other thing that's interesting is that they have they have starting points. for where they should go. So like even distribution of power and influence, ep- economic equality, gender equitable education, even division of unpaid housework and care work, gender equal health, and an end to men's violence against women. And they say that they have to shape their own society's rules before they can um, enact a, f- a foreign policy that's feminist foreign policy, um, which is true, but it's really interesting way for the foreign... Services office to go backward and kind of enact domestic policy at the same time as enacting foreign policy. Don't you think that's kind of an interesting tack? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I think the U.S. would fail at all of those things. No. Oh,
2: yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah I agree. I just we think talked
0: about a few weeks ago on the podcast. The UN sent some people to assess reproductive care in the U.S. and they were appalled. By how bad the U.S. was, and yep. wasn't that one of the six things that they look for? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: So the U.N. already knows that we're shit, and like if they're gonna go based on what the U.N. is saying for one thing, they're gonna go based on what the U.N. is saying for another thing.
2: Right. Well, and they they want to be able to work with with other actors like bilaterally and and um. They also have like accountability efforts, and actually, they put in they put into this feminist foreign policy just like now does. They include LGBTQ stuff too. Yeah. So um, one of their bullet points for accountability is to allocate resources to prom- promote gender equality and rights of women's girl women girls and LGBTQ people, including human resources and expertise for action on gender equality. So just like now does they they incorporate gender into this. So it's it's like it's like a a social justice program within the foreign service that they also work backward to say we can't enact this until it's right domestically. Yeah. It's like almost like a it's almost a social it's a sh- social justice agenda that puts responsibility on the country itself on other countries and expands the the you know expands feminism to include Everybody, including um, people transitioning and people in the LGBTQIA community. It's
1: almost like they're saying women's
2: rights are human rights. It's almost like they're saying that, Jenny Rose, and it's almost like they're saying we're going to make this the policy of our country and not just the policy of our country like in education or in things where where we where people traditionally will put women's issues, right? Education... Health, health stuff that that people think of as women's issues. We're gonna put this in our foreign policy, yeah. which is male dominated, yep. a male dominated field, which I think is really interesting too.
0: Yeah, I don't even think this would like cross the minds of anybody in the U.S. government.
1: No, not right now. May- maybe ten months ago, maybe
2: maybe. Right. I mean it would be very hard to enact, but like I do think it's it's like a nice ideal to work toward, like to think about how the world works better if women are taken care of not not cared for like like they like financially but like how they're ab- that they're able to work the same amount at the same level as a man and make the same amount of money that they're able to live in a world where they can focus on other things than worrying about rape or violence or losing their birth control or maternity care or having to have a child before they want to or if they don't want to at all all those things that that they're saying that yeah like that human rights are women's rights are human rights and that if you don't have those then you're lost at home and you're lost abroad too. When you try to when you try to go to the UN and work on this, you know, foreign policy that if everybody's not at the table and everybody's not getting an equitable getting equitable treatment, then <clears throat> you can't really have a, a foreign policy that is doing what's best for the country where you live.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how Canada <laughs> measures up to that.
2: That's a great question. We should look that up.
1: Because Justin Trudeau, and, and I might be getting the numbers wrong, but I thought he had like 50% of his cabinet was, were women. Yeah. Yeah. That's
2: right. He did.
0: Yeah. So I wonder how Canada does with some of that. And I
2: loved what his answer on that was like, well, they're 50% of the population.
0: Yeah. Well, he was yeah. like, it's 2016.
2: Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, why wouldn't yeah. I do that? He didn't give some deep political reason. He was just like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Leda. Oh I love that <laughs> Leda. Uh. Leda. Um yeah, but it's really interesting and actually, I mean we'll post it, but it's really it's really interesting to read and it's really hopeful and optimistic. I just I really and really detailed and I really like it. Um and they've laid it out in a way that uh people who are in government or in project management or in any of those fields would appreciate. It's a very detailed and, and um, broken down into different sections and then action plans for each section and how it's going to move forward year by year. So it's a, it's a multi-year plan. So there's, there's
1: like
2: quantitative solutions. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it, I do too. It's really great. And I love that um, sexual and reproductive health is, is on here. Yeah. Because, you yeah, know, important. for us, that's health care. It's important, guys. Yeah. Well, and a woman, a woman being at the bargaining table when it comes to foreign policy cannot happen if that woman is not in control of when she has children or if she has children, period.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, so can I share a fun fact that I had read while on my honeymoon? Yes, please. I re- so I... The book was about um, women... I think it's called Founding Mothers, and it talked about different buckets of women in colonial periods. You know, it talked about the rich women, it talked about the poor women, it talked about the women in slavery, and it also talked about the Native American women and how Native American culture, at least in the eastern part of the country, was very... um, know, if the men did negotiation, they would come back and they would ask the women and, you know, they had equal seats at the table. And when the um, male members of the Native American tribes would go to negotiate with the British or talk to the, you know, talk to the colonists, they would say, okay, we're going to go back and talk to our women, you go back and talk to your women. And they, like, got left at. And... If the book goes into an analysis of how, you know, the American Revolution and the British kind of changed the way some of the Native American culture was. I don't know if that's true. I read it in the book. Please don't yell at me if it's not true. <laughs> but this was a non this was a nonfiction book. Um, but I always thought that was interesting because, like, this chapter went into how this society was very egalitarian, um, and. British and the colonists just, were kind of like, we're
2: not asking our women, what are you talking about? Yeah. But yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like you hear so many people, men included, who argue that we can't go into our political silos because we need all sides, all perspectives in order to discuss things. You know, and to, you need to meet it, you know, you need compromise and you need people to discuss different sides. And, and, I, I feel like I can get behind that, but then, yeah. you, but then I also don't understand how those same people cannot want an equal number of women at the table, because women come at things with such a different perspective. And if you really want all perspectives, shouldn't you want that? You know, a diverse group of people, diverse, racially diverse background, you know, socioeconomically, and, and gender diverse.
1: Yeah, I mean... You're giving some of these people the us. benefit of the
2: doubt that they recognize that. No, I don't think they I don't think they do recognize it. I think they I think when they say they want all perspectives they mean a white dude who's kind of conservative and a white dude who's kind of liberal. Yeah. But not too liberal. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, but not too liberal. Right. But I just yeah, it just seems like you'd want it just seems like you'd want that. It's not wanting to hear it is not the same as agreeing with it. I just think that gets lost sometimes. You don't have to agree with yeah. every single thing, but you do have to hear other people's perspectives. And certainly yeah. women and men come at things from from two different spots. Yep. Uh, so last thing before Woman of the Week, uh, I, EB2, uh, was at the Montgomery County Council this week. I was testifying on behalf of our chapter. Um, there was a there is a Human Trafficking Task Force in Montgomery County that had been um, working to help train uh, police officers, teachers, members of the medical community um, in recognizing the signs of trafficking and putting um, those different people into contact with resources so that women and girls who were found to have been trafficked could be um, helped immediately and put into safe places and Um, Given all the services that they needed um, to get back on their feet, also at the same time working to prevent trafficking in the first place. Um, They had a hearing this week to ask the county council to create a commission um, or a permanent, like a permanent version of the task force, which would be a commission on human trafficking for the county. Um, They have a list of different positions that will be required to be on it, including members of the police force, members of the medical community, members of the Women's Commission, members of the county council uh, or their offices and and different things. And then a few spots for people from other um, advocacy organizations. Jeanette Feldner, who is uh, a member and our membership coordinator and our representative to um, the state and a bunch of other Things, and also our um, former president of the chapter was on the former excuse me, former co-president of the chapter um, was on the task force. Um, so Mer- uh, Montgomery County now has been there since the inception. Um, she is going to continue for a little while at least working with them and then um, well, she might still can she might still continue while one of us kind of, Um, starts going to those meetings and seeing how we can help out. Um, But I testified to make it into a permanent commission. There were a few other women there. Um, I think my testimony was the shortest. (laughs) Was the shortest. Um, That's okay. But it's okay. Uh, And the the council was very receptive to it. And they asked us all to please come back in November so they could plan out how it would be funded and how it would be implemented Um, so we'll get to know more about it before then Um, and we're going to in a couple weeks on the pod we're going to talk more about human trafficking in general and how it affects uh, women and girls in big and small ways Um, but before we do that um, just since I'm already talking about testifying on the council this is a really happy story that one of the other women who was testifying was telling she works for a place that a center that uh, helps these women and girls who have been trafficked to get the services they need to protect them and keep them safe, and um, to help them get reacclimated to regular life. Uh, she told the story of a a young woman who was a teenager. She had been trafficked through four different states. Um, she had been arrested several times, released, and she ended up in Montgomery County. Uh, Because Montgomery County had the task force, because all the people involved knew the signs, they had had training, because these pieces were already in place for them to get the resources, they recognized um, very quickly that she was a victim and not a criminal. Uh, She was identified as a victim. She was given a medical exam. She got to this safe place where they were able to help her and give her the services that she needed. Um, and now she's a sophomore in college. So that was just a proud, just a proud moment to be a Montgomery County resident and think um, that when you're wondering where your tax dollars go, some of them go to that. <laughs> and and uh, that young woman's life was changed just because everybody was trained to recognize the signs and because the help was available and the resources were available, and it worked pretty seamlessly. Um, so, yeah. so amazing and really good. And I'm I'm glad it's going to become a permanent commission because there's a definite need for it.
1: Well, thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. It was lovely and,
2: and exciting to be there. And these other women who were speaking were amazing. And I feel like half the um, time I just was sitting there with my mouth open listening to them talk about all the things they had done on the task force. So thank you to them and to Jeanette for, for working so hard on that. Yeah. Woman read. of the Week.
0: Alright, so, since Jenny Rose was talking about Native Americans a little bit ago, our Woman of the Week this week is going to be Wilma Mankiller, who was the first female principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. Wilma was born in Oklahoma in 1945. Her great-grandfather survived the Trail of Tears. Her family moved to San Francisco in the 1950s. During the 1960s, there were multiple demonstrations where Native Americans took over Alcatraz Island, where the prison is, in San Francisco. The prison closed in 1963, and the Native Americans used the 1851 Treaty of Fort Laramie to occupy the island as grounds for reclaiming surplus federal lands for themselves. Wilma was inspired to become more active in Native American causes as a result of these demonstrations. She returned back to Oklahoma and took on various positions in the Cherokee government. In 1983, she became Deputy Chief of the Cherokee Nation. In 1985, she became Principal Chief, the first woman to hold that role. She took over for a man who left midterm to go to D.C. to head the Bureau of Indian Affairs. She won two subsequent elections in her own right after that, though, and held the position of principal chief until 1991. About becoming the first woman principal chief, she said, prior to my election, Cherokee girls would never have thought that they might grow up and become chief. She did not seek re-election in 1995 for health reasons, but she continued on as an activist until her death. During her time in office, she worked to improve the Cherokee Nation's education and health care systems, doubled the nation's employment rate, built new housing, established new children's programs, and grew the nation from 55,000 to 156,000 tribal citizens. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1998. She died in 2010 at the age of 64 of pancreatic cancer. The Cherokee Nation's principal chief at the time of her death remembered her by saying, We are better people and a stronger tribal nation because of her example of Cherokee leadership, statesmanship, humility, grace, determination, and decisiveness.
2: Super cool. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so chapter events. Um, we've got a big one coming up. March for Racial Justice on September 30th. We're doing that in conjunction with National Now. And um, you can email us uh, if you would like to join up with the group. They're meeting at um, the National Now offices near Metro Center at 8 o'clock in the morning, the day of the march, so that we can participate in the Black Women's March. That's a part of the March for Racial Justice. Yeah, March for Black Women, yeah. Oh, sorry. That's okay. March for Black Women. It's oh, okay. Okay, um, and you can you can RSVP to us um, at uh, info at mcmdnow dot org to let us know that you'll be there, just so that National knows how many people are coming um, to meet up beforehand.
0: Yeah, we'll pass your info along to National now, and then that day is a holiday, so if you can't participate that day, or if you do participate that day, but also wanna come do something on October 1st, we have our Racial Justice Now panel. And we have announced all of the panelists for the day. We have five. Um, we have Maryland Senator Susan Lee, Maryland Delegate Marce Morales, Laurie Sales. Gilda Yazzie and Mimi Hassanine. Um, They will all be on the panel. It will be a great events. Um, we can learn a lot about how to support uh, women of color in Montgomery County and Maryland in general. So please come out for that. It's 430, 4.30 to 7 on Sunday, October 1st. And you can get tickets for it on Eventbrite if you search for racial justice now. We've also posted about it on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. You can find us there at MCMDNow. MC for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, now for National Organization for Women. We've also posted about it on our website, which is MCMDNow.org. And if you want to join our chapter to help support us and the programs that we do, help show up when we need you, um, for certain actions, or just come hang out with us at our monthly social gatherings and at our meetings,
2: um, you can go to mcmdnow.org slash join. And we're going to um, have a meeting on October 11th. It's going to be at the Twinbrook Library at 730. And we'll have a special guest, Chelsea Yarbrough, who is from um, our friends at NARAL, Pro-Choice Maryland. Um, she's going to talk about um, and a program they're doing to collect unscented sanitary napkins for women in prison in, and girls in prison in Montgomery County. Um, and so we're going to be collecting those that day, unscented package sealed um, sanitary napkins. But Chelsea will be there to talk to us more about the program and um, other ways to help. All right, so one of National Now's National Action Program
0: campaigns is ending the criminalization of trauma. Um, and so Chelsea, when she um, speaks at our meeting, is going to touch on that a bit as well.
2: Yeah, so she's great, and it should be really interesting to hear from her. And um, she's actually going to be a panelist on, on a future uh, a future, a future panel of ours. So this GDD. is a sneak, sneak preview on October 11th at our chapter meeting at Twinbrook Library.
0: Yes. And then on October 18th, we are going to be showing a film to coincide with Love Your Body Day. It's going to be on that subject, and we'll announce more about where it's going to be and how you can join us within the next couple of
2: weeks. And it'll be in place of our monthly happy hour. Yes. That month.
0: Yes. We usually do the social event on the third Wednesday of the month. Um, Love Your Body Day happens to fall on the third Wednesday of October, so... We'll be doing something related to that instead of, instead of happy hour. We may have something. Uh, oh, Jenny Rose, do you want to talk about it?
1: November? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So we're going to, um, we're still planning, but we do have a location. So November for our happy hour, we're going to have a women's trivia night. It doesn't mean women only. It just means the questions will be women focused. Um, so we're going to a new happy hour spot in Silver Spring. We're going to be at Denison's Brewing Company, which is a really, really cool, um, women-owned location. There's three owners. Two of them are women. Um, so we'll be promoting that and talking about it more, but mark your calendars November 15th and come hang out with us for some trivia.
2: Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I'm
0: excited. Yeah, me too. I'm going to get competitive.
2: Oh, I'm never competitive. I'll just be the caller. And I guess I
0: can't get competitive because I guess I'm calling
2: the
1: thing, but. Oh, you're calling? I'm
2: going to have a call. Well, <laughs> I'll call and you can be competitive. I'm not competitive at games. No, it's fine. Okay. Um, it's fine. All right, well, I'll play. we have a lot of good stuff coming up, so hopefully. <laughs> oh this is flying so hopefully (laughs) hopefully uh we'll see you at um some of our upcoming events and in the meantime we'll see you or you'll hear from us next week on the podcast
1: yeah call your senators call your governors call everyone
0: and buy tickets to our racial justice now event
1: yeah
0: yeah okay bye guys bye bye